0: Hello and welcome to another in the series of podcasts produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Hansen Kahn. The IMF has just released its regular assessment of the Chinese economy. It paints a fairly rosy picture. China has managed to avoid the worst of the recent global crisis. But before we start to celebrate, the report also warns that possible risks still lie ahead. I spoke to the fund's lead economist for China, Nigel Chalk, and began by asking him how the country had managed to navigate the downturn so successfully.
1: I think what we saw going into the crisis was a, quite a decisive policy response by the government. They clearly understood the downturn in the global economy would affect China quite greatly, and you saw a response that uh, involved expansionary fiscal policy and a large fiscal package to stimulate the economy. It also involved a quite significant amount of monetary stimulus. I think all of these things kind of worked together. They were all very helpful in supporting the economy in the face of this very large external shock. And I think you see that in the outturn for 2009. During that year, you had more than 4% of GDP drag on the economy from the decline in net exports. Nevertheless, the economy grew overall by more than 9%, which is quite an, uh, an impressive achievement. Our assessment is that a large part of that was driven by the public sector stimulus.
0: And indeed, the IMF economists are predicting that China is going to return to double-digit growth.
1: Yes, so we have a forecast for this year of around 10.5% growth in GDP. And it will slow a little bit into next year, partly as as the public stimulus is withdrawn. But we see that as a very healthy process. It will still be quite close to 10% of GDP.
0: How important has China's stimulus been to global growth?
1: Yeah, I think the strong demand in China has been very helpful, both the region and the global economy. What you initially saw in China, as the stimulus was put into place, there was a significant increase in commodity imports. And that helped a lot of the commodity exporters around the world, particularly countries like Australia and Indonesia and Asia, who provide a significant share of their output to to China. But then as the process of recovery worked through and carried on, you saw a much more broad-based increase in demand from China, a lot more capital goods imports from places like Korea and Germany and Taiwan, Japan... We have done some work in our regional economic outlook that that shows quite clearly that those countries where the share of their value added linked to China is greater were also the ones that recovered faster from this crisis. So I think there's fairly uh, compelling evidence that the the more interlinkages you had with China during this crisis, the better you ended up coming out of this crisis.
0: What about the flip side of that? How much danger has this raised about overheating of the economy? Because it's been this stimulus package has been huge, hasn't it?
1: On overheating, I think it depends on what your view on overheating is, what your definition of overheating is. I think often people view overheating as an economy where strong demand is not being met by an increase in supply, and as a result, inflation takes hold. I don't think we see that process happening in China. I think in part because you've seen this big expansion in credit, which was accompanied by a big expansion in investment as well. So there's a tremendous amount of new capacity being built in China right now. I think if you take a broader view on overheating, I think what we do see in China is part of the consequences of of this stimulus has been quite a rapid run-up in housing prices and asset prices in general, but particularly housing prices in a number of cities. And I think the authorities themselves recognize that as an issue and have acted, um, particularly in April of this year, have acted quite proactively to tackle that issue.
0: Let me go back to the issue of trade because obviously China is a huge trading nation and obviously connection with that issue is the subject of the value of the uh, Chinese currency, the yuan. There's been considerable debate about the level of the yuan. What is the assessment of the IMF economists on this?
1: Yeah, the staff's view has, and I think we show that in the staff report, is that the renminbi right now is below the level that's consistent with medium-term fundamentals. I think we've been pretty clear in public on that, that the stronger renminbi will help China. It's in the interest of the Chinese people. It'll help raise household income and increase the labor share of income in China. But also it will help with investment. It will help provide the incentives you need to move investment from investment into export sectors to... Um, investments in sectors that serve the Chinese consumer. So I think, in general, we see a stronger currency as a positive for China. Um, It will will help with rebalancing, it will help move towards an economy that's much more driven by private consumption and less by um, exports and investment.
0: Explain why the value of the renminbi is important.
1: I think our sense is that the Chinese economy would be better driven by consumption, more consumption, and less exports and investment. Now in order to achieve that, it's a very complicated uh, exercise to achieve that outcome. And I think there are a number of policies that need to be put in place number of structural policies, macroeconomic policies, and currency is one of those policies.
0: So basically, you're saying that the level of the yuan is important because it could help with the rebalancing effort by China. And obviously, this is something that China is, and Beijing itself recognises because it recently dropped its 23-month, I think it was 23-month peg to the dollar, and it's now re- reverted to a managed float. So obviously, this is something that is recognised by by Beijing itself.
1: Yes, I think, I think the, there is... Certainly a lot of support in China for the idea of transforming the economic model, the economic development model in China, towards one that's much more based on consumption. And so I think we've had a lot of agreement with China on what the policies would be to underline that. And I think our view is that, as I said, this is a, such a complicated exercise, that in a world where this, this, this um, transformation is so complicated, you want to use all of the policy tools you have at your disposal.
0: So how confident are you that China is well on its way to rebalancing, given that it's returned to a managed float with the RMB, that its trade surplus has shrunk dramatically within the last few months? How, how happy are you with the, the speed and the process down this path?
1: I think there's, it's a mixed picture right now. For example, you are seeing very strong consumption in China, particularly during the crisis, which is somewhat unexpected. The the consumer really held up very well in China over the past year, year and a half. But having said that, you also have seen for almost a decade a secular decline in consumption as a share of output. And I I think it's going to take quite some time to reverse that trend. There are two forces, I think, that will work against China. The first is the, the pickup in global demand will mean that the exports and net exports to the economy will start picking up as well. And so that's going to be a force behind um, a reassertion of the current account surplus that you've seen, the trade surplus you've seen. And secondly, as the fiscal stimulus is unwound in China, we also feel that will create uh, conditions where the current account will have a tendency to rise. So there are quite important headwinds facing China. And I think that will mean, you know, they'll have to be quite proactive on the policy response in order to ensure that the current dynamic you see of rising consumption and an increase in consumption as a share of GDP and a decline in the current account surplus can be sustained through time.
0: Let me end by asking you this question, for someone who's living say in Africa or who's living in Europe or, or Latin America, why does it matter what the state of the Chinese economy is? People are very well aware about China as a manufacturing base, we see Chinese manufactured goods everywhere, but why should the ordinary man on the street in the middle of Latin America care about the state of the Chinese economy?
1: Oh, well, I think the Chinese co- economy is tremendously important to the global economy. I think you've seen over the past year China becoming a much bigger part of global growth. I think you've seen um, the policy response in China as being much more decisive, much more uh, proactive. And that's going to have spillovers to the whole global economy, just given the size of, of, of the Chinese economy. For example, in Latin America, um, a number of Latin American countries are reliant on exports of agricultural products and exports of commodities. China is demanding those commodities, and a, a stronger China means more demand for those commodities, which has positive spillovers to many of the, the countries in Latin America. And at the same time, China, as you mentioned, China is also producing a significant amount of goods for these economies. and so. A healthy China, a healthy economy in China, I think is, it helps the global economy on both sides. I think it's, it's provision of goods to the global economy, but also China's own demand of goods from the global economy. So I think it's tremendously important to, to the average person in, in the street in Latin America.
0: That was Nigel Chalk, the IMF's Mission Chief for China. And if you want to learn more about the economy of this country, or perhaps research the state of the global economy, log on to the IMF's website on www.imf.org.